Let us begin our sermon with prayer. Good and gracious God, we ask you to work through the words of today's sermon to show us that as a father has compassion for his children, so you have had compassion on us. Let that compassion empower us to forgive the sins of our enemies and show your compassion to them and to all the world around us. Let your compassion be our shining characteristic so that with all the saints and angels we may glorify you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Our text for our sermon is the Gospel History according to St. Luke as recorded in chapter 6, verses 27 through 38. That says, But I say to you who are listening, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, offer the other too. If someone takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes away your things, do not demand them back. Treat others just as you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? To be sure, even the sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners do the same thing. If you lend to those from whom you expect to be repaid, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners lend to sinners in order to be paid back in full. Instead, love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. In fact, the measure with which you measure will be measured back to you. This is the gospel history of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I have to admit to you, I hate this text. Whoa, 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 before you walk away and say, we got a pastor who hates the word of God. My sinful nature hates this text. My new man loves it. But I have a few reasons for that. I'm not excusing it. They all boil around a misunderstanding. But you mean to tell me somebody walks up to me and, and smacks me and I can't give them a knuckle sandwich back? That's not easy for my sinful nature. I want revenge. But what's frustrating for me is even dealing with other Christians when I have warned them because they're embracing a false teaching or they're running into and embracing a sin. I get this text rub in my face. Judge not lest ye be judged. And then there's the guilt trip I've got my whole entire life. And by my whole entire life, my parents never gave me this guilt trip. But I even get it out of popular children's cartoons. Treat others as you want to be treated. But even the unbelievers get that. That's saying scratch your neighbor's back and they'll scratch yours. Jesus in our text makes it clear that's not what he means because he says even the sinners do that. What credit is that to you? Jesus is talking about something supernatural. The world misunderstands this text. There's a great empowerment in this text. It's there throughout. But it's said very strongly in verse 38. Allow me to translate that very clunkily into English. Start and do not stop giving, and a good measure will be given to you guys, which has been pressed down, which has been shaken, which keeps on overflowing. They will give it into the fold of you guys' garment. In fact, by the same measure that you guys apportion out, it will be apportioned out to you guys. This is God's grace. And he uses the picture of going to the marketplace. Let's say you're going to buy flour. Now, normally, you know, we have stories about like a, a baker's dozen or the butcher's weight, you know, the butcher's scales where it's to their advantage. 
But God is telling us, give out my grace. Because I put it into a basket for you. I, I pressed it down to make sure that you're getting more than enough. You're not getting gypped here. I've shaken it to make sure it fills the corners. And then he says it in, in the present tense. It keeps on overflowing. And there's this picture. Remember, they wore olives in that, like a workman's apron of holding out, holding out like I'm holding out my robe right now and it just being poured into that big pocket that's being formed. God here is empowering us with His grace. And with that empowerment, He says, you can't exhaust the supply of treasure in heaven. You can never exhaust God's forgiveness, which is part of His grace. He'll keep pouring it on you. You've been empowered because He's poured it into you and He keeps giving it into you. So today, we see that God's grace has empowered you. Now let's put our text in its context. This follows right on the heels of last week's sermon text on that Sermon on the Mount. And remember, Jesus lifted up his eyes and he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the believers. These aren't rules he's given to unbelievers. Unbelievers can't do this. As I said, this is supernatural. You have to be empowered by God's grace. God has to do this for you and then it works through you. He's talking to believers. And last week he had warned them. In the very last verse, verse 26, that as the fathers, as the the Jewish fathers had embraced the false prophets, they gave them what their itching ears wanted to hear. They didn't listen to prophets like Jeremiah. So the world was going to treat them. So we're talking about enemies. We're talking about people who are our enemies because we're Christians. Obviously, we have other enemies in life as well. So verse 27 says, but I'm telling, and he says this in the plural, you guys. Who are listening, start and continue loving your enemies. Start and continue doing good to those who keep on hating you. Start and continue blessing those who keep on calling down curses upon you. Start and continue praying about those who keep on treating you guys with disdain. God's love is in you. He's made you his child. And people will hate you because you are part of the invisible church, which is Christ's body. This is what he's talking about in the plural. When the church is hunting down Christians and hating you for being God's child, well, think about yourself and your natural condition. You hated God, but he loved you. He's empowering you to love your enemies. Think about people like Saul, who God turned around and made the apostle that would write nearly 70% of the New Testament. God has put his love in your heart and he's empowered you to love those who hate you because God loves you and you are connected to God. But blessing, blessing those who curse you. To curse, in the the Greek word there would be to call on some God to make your life miserable, to make everything fall apart. And you turn around and say good things to them. In fact, even continue praying for them. And I love the preposition that's used here in the Greek because it doesn't just say pray for them. It's one that encircles. Pray about them. Pray with the things that encircle them. Why does this person see you as an enemy because you're a Christian? Pray about that. Pray about if it's the government, their higher ups that are making them do it. Pray for this person who in their condition is going to go to hell. Pray for them and pray blessings for them that they would, God would open up their eyes. But now... Now he's been talking in the plural. Now he gets to you individually, you and I, because he goes to the singular, verse 29. To the person who's smacking you upon your cheek, also offer your other cheek. Do not withhold your tunic from the one taking away your cloak. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if someone smacks you because you are a Christian, because they resent you, you're so dumb for loving this Christ. Jesus says, don't give them a knuckle sandwich. Turn the other cheek. 
If that's how you want it. Our great empowerment is this is exactly what Jesus did. In fact, as he was smacked by those Roman soldiers, he endured it. He prayed for those who nailed him to the cross and mocked him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We're empowered to do this recognizing I am saved. And I'm going to let them know God's love. It'll be up to God to retaliate. Now, God can use the government to do that or God can convert them or God can do other things. We want him to convert them. But lots of times when that smack is coming from the government, like the Roman soldiers, give them a knuckle sandwich ain't going to help us much, is it? But turning the other cheek and letting them see God's love, the gentleness, the compassion, the grace of God. And again, when it's the government, you're a Christian, so we're going to tax you. Or when it's another religion that resents you for being Christian. Or when it's an atheist that hates you for being Christian and they can get away with it legally. The tunic was the coat. If they take your coat, give them the shirt off your back as well. God will give you those things back. If it means you freeze to death, you get to go to heaven. God's got that. You're covered. Show them God's grace by not retaliating. Instead, show them the mercy of Christ crucified. And so he says, give to each person who asks you and do not keep on asking to have things returned from the one who's taking away things that belong to you. He doesn't say you can't ask for them back. But again, what happens when the government's allowing them to do this? Because the government's job is, is, is to stop these things or re, and, and get those possessions back for you. But when the government's working against you, ask for it once, but don't nag. Can I please have my coat back? Can I please have my coat back? Fine. You take that. You took that because I'm a Christian. God loves me. And, and I hope that through seeing what you've done, you're able to want to be forgiven. I hope you're able to turn to God and ask for grace. So God's grace has empowered you. Not just us as a church, but even us individually to endure animosity. Remember, Adam and Eve were deceived by the devil and they suddenly saw God as the enemy, but God gave them faith. He said, I'll put enmity between you and the devil. So he gave them faith and he made them see that he is actually their giver. So God has given us the ability to endure animosity because they're under the influence of the devil. We've been given faith. And that's, again, that measure being poured into us. Verse 31 says, And so just as you guys keep on desiring that people should keep on doing to you guys, in the same way start and don't stop doing to them. Now here again is the do unto others as you would have done unto you. But Jesus, here in a minute, will say, if you do this, what, what credit is that? The unbelievers do that. If you're a Christian, God's given you faith, you have the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the blood of Christ. You want to be treated as a child of God. You want to be treated as you live in that grace as the body of Christ. You've been empowered by that grace. God says, pour it out, give it out, I've poured it into you. So treating others as you want to be treated isn't a matter of scratching your neighbor's back and he'll scratch yours. It's a matter of treating them as God's beloved children because God has made you his beloved child. He's empowered you with the blood of Christ and with his grace. And so verse 32 says, if you guys are loving those who keep on loving you guys, then what kind of, and the word literally is grace, is that for you guys? We translate that as credit. But it's the word for grace. I, I love my wife and my children. They love me back. And that's a good thing. That's my vocation. That's what I'm called to do. But am I showing anything more than my vocation in that? But to love an enemy... I'm showing them the grace that God has given to me. That God has empowered me. That's the difference. 
To be sure, even the sinners love those who keep on loving them. And in fact, if you are doing good things for those who keep on doing good things for you guys, then what kind of grace is that for you guys? Even the sinners do the same thing. If I scratch my neighbor's back and he scratches mine, that's no big deal. That's what we're supposed to do, all of mankind. But when I do good for somebody who hates me, I've been empowered, as you have, because Christ took on human flesh for you. Christ was righteous for you. Christ bore the punishment for you. Christ rose for you. You and I both, when we... This was 2,000 years ago, before we were conceived, when in our natural state we were his enemies. So we've been empowered to show, to do that good in a way that's pouring out God's grace, in a way that's way above and beyond scratching my neighbor's back and he scratches mine. Now, verse 34 is kind of, I got a clunky translation. And if you should give a loan that would bear interest, the Greek word used there is an interest-bearing loan, from those whom you guys are hoping to be repaid. So that's saying, I give a loan to somebody that even if it, it turns out being they can't pay back the interest, I at least know for sure I'm going to be paid back for my investment. That's exactly what banks do, right? They make sure they can at least break even on that loan. Their, their plan is to make a profit. And that's what the unbelievers do. He says, then what kind of grace is that for you guys? Even the sinners give interest-bearing loans to sinners so that they may recover the equal amount. He's not condemning it, giving loans like that. He's just saying that's the way, that's the, way the world operates. That's scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. But what happens for that person that let's say they are an alcoholic or, or have a drug addiction. And they say, I can't afford to go to the treatment center. Will you loan me the money? And you know that if they get back out and they relapse, you're not going to get that money back. You're not going to break even. Here's where God's grace kicks in. In fact, I've learned this rule when friends and family ask me to give them a loan. And this is one of those scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I don't give them the loan unless I'm able to eat it. Because I've learned that when you loan to a friend, that's the quickest way to make an enemy or to a family member. When, so, it, so the idea there is if they're asking you, just please just borrow me the money and I'll pay it back. If you can say to yourself, I'm giving them the money. I'll give them the chance to pay it back. But if they don't, I'll consider it a gift. You truly are showing God's grace when you recognize their need for help. When you recognize, and we're not talking about people who are bad stewards, you know, you give them the money, but the way they go, they're going to be spending that on something that's going to make their situation worse. We're talking about somebody who's found themselves in dire need. It's a bad investment, but they, they need your help. So brothers and sisters in Christ, we see God's grace has empowered you to endure animosity and to stand out. If this is what the unbelievers do, you're not standing out. God's grace, knowing he's going to pour back to you, it gives you the ability to stand out from the unbelievers as God's children. Verse 35 says, Instead, start and do not stop loving you guys as enemies. And start and do not stop doing good things for them. And do not stop making interest-bearing loans while expecting nothing back. Then you guys' reward will be great, and you guys will be sons of the Most High. Because he's beneficially kind upon the ungrateful and the wicked people. Become and continue being compassionate just as you guys' father is compassionate. Now it seems like he's saying if you do these things, then God will adopt you as his children. But we already know that we can't do these things unless God has already made us his children. After he says, and you guys will be sons of the Most High, he says because he's beneficially kind upon the ungrateful and wicked people. 
That's a characteristic of God. And that's said in the present, as in he's always this way. So the characteristic is listed of him. He's beneficially kind upon the ungrateful and the wicked people. When you're that way, you will be showing you have the same characteristic. Same verb, just future tense. So he's saying, when you do this, this is what you're doing. You're showing that characteristic of being a son of God. Unless we want to understand this as the verb, then you will become. Jesus actually uses that verb in verse 36, become and continue being compassionate. So it's like he's going out of his way grammatically to make it clear to us. He's not saying do this and you will be adopted as God's children. He's saying do this and this is a characteristic. You will show that you are God's children. And when you're compassionate, again, he gives us that empowerment. Just as you guys as father is compassionate. He ruled over all time in history to bring you to faith. Then he says those words, do not judge and you will never be judged. Do not render judgment of condemnation and you will never receive a judgment of condemnation. Start and do not stop letting go and you will be released. If I look at somebody's sin and I say they've done this, therefore they deserve this disease or this punishment, I'm judging them. Now God has set up the government to do that, to punish criminals and stuff, wrongdoers. But in spiritual matters, I've got to be careful. I can't read your heart and you can't read mine. It's one thing to point out you're, you're embracing this sin, but it's another thing to judge them. And the ultimate act of judgment is condemnation. Therefore, you deserve to go to hell. That is not a characteristic of a Christian. Because Jesus Christ has died and saved us and rose for us. He's put his Holy Spirit in our heart. You and I now have been empowered to do the opposite of our sinful nature. We will warn people of their sin, but not in a holier than thou. That's judgmental way. We warn them because we want them in heaven. We warn them and we will not judge them with the condemnation of hell. Instead, we want to show them their sins so that we can lead them to repentance and pour out that treasure store of forgiveness. And that's where he says, start and do not stop. And in the Greek word we often translate forgiveness is, is to let go. Have you ever met somebody who's so hung up on a wrong that's been done to them? And it's small and it's petty. They won't forgive the person. You finally want to tell them, just let it go. That's what Christ's blood does. It empowers us to let go. But if we're going to cling to somebody's wrong, if we're going to harbor that and nurture that, then we're driving the Holy Spirit out of our heart, aren't we? Instead, God has forgiven us. And just as verse 38 said, he keeps pouring that grace into, into the apron pocket that we make in the fold of a, of, of a workman's apron or knob or whatever. You, you, can, you can continually pour out. Don't be stingy with it. God's never going to let you run out of his forgiveness. So we see here God's grace has empowered us to love your enemies. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I said that I hated this text at the beginning of the sermon. I explained... It's been misused, it's been given as a guilt trip, and my sinful nature simply doesn't like it. But I've been given a new man, and so have you, so I can say I absolutely love this text. As verse 38 gives that picture of just the grain being poured in, making sure you're not getting gypped, and it's always overflowing, you're not running out. So I see you and I have been empowered. I come poor, but I've been given an inexhaustible supply as you have. God's grace has empowered you to endure animosity, to stand out from the unbelievers, and to love your enemies. Amen. And now to him who's able, according to the power that is at work within us, to do indefinitely more than we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.